you will develop a palate. A palate is a spot on your tongue where you remember, where you assign words to the textures of taste. Eating becomes a discipline, language obsessed. You will never simply eat food again. Hello, and welcome to Words After All, a podcast about reading, writing, and life. I'm Sarah Fraser, an editor, writer, and teacher living in Vancouver, Canada. Words After All is for writers and readers who want to explore what there is to learn about writing and life from our favorite books. This is a podcast for your writing break, a dose of inspiration before you get back to the work you were called to do. So pour yourself a cup of tea or a glass of wine and let's begin. Today on episode two, I'm talking about the novel Sweet Bitter by Stephanie Danler. Just like Conversations with Friends, which I spoke about in episode one, I read Sweet Bitter almost entirely in a single day, mostly in the evening, in the bath, over a few glasses of wine. Danler's lyrical language drew me in, and again, not unlike Conversations with Friends, I felt so conflicted about the main character. Sweet Bitter is a women's coming-of-age story, narrated by Tess, a 22-year-old who flees her hometown of who-knows-where USA to New York City, where she takes up a restaurant job. She learns about life as a New Yorker, life working in a restaurant, and life as a young woman out in the world on her own. The usual is all there, drugs, sex, mistakes, embarrassment, life lessons, and a narrator that I simultaneously empathized with and wanted to shake and tell her to stop. This novel inspired my poetry as much as it did my novel writing. The prose is intermingled with excerpts of poetic collages about life working in a restaurant, falling in love, careening into heartbreak, and getting put back together. So what can we learn about writing from Sweet Bitter? I've narrowed it down to three things. Number one, find beauty in the mundane. If you've ever worked in a restaurant, you'll know that it's a sensory experience. Dandler's descriptions were vivid and so real. From the smell of a backed-up sink to the feeling of your clogs slipping on freshly waxed floors, these descriptions brought me back to the decade I worked at a hotel and restaurant myself. My own sensory memories include the feeling of stepping outside at midnight in mid-August to find the air soupy and oppressive compared to the air-conditioned hotel lobby. The smell of bleach in the elevator when the housekeeping department was delivering linens. The anxiety of having to open a bottle of champagne for guests at a table, followed by the satisfying pressure release and pop when I actually got it right. Sweet Bitter is, at the surface level at least, a book about working in a restaurant. And yet it's one of the most poetically written novels I've read. Do you think your story is too boring, too normal? It's not. In fact, I believe that every story is either answering a new question in an old way, or an old question in a new way. If your story is answering an old question, that's fine. Just make sure you're doing it your way. Tell your readers about what you remember, about the smells, the sounds, the textures, the tastes. Tell about the time that you fell on your face in front of a restaurant full of people. The first time you got sick the year you were living away from your parents. The lighting in the seedy dive bar, the last time you looked your first love in the eye. Do this, and you'll have a truly authentic story. This brings me to point number two. Write your life. In an episode of the Unstyled podcast, Stephanie Danler talks about how she was inspired to write Sweet Bitter by the reverberations of conversation she heard one night during her after-shift drink at the restaurant where she worked. She's clear that the characters are not based on specific real people, 
but the setting and the more general experiences are. As a reader, I feel that I could tell. Dandler writes as Tess. In between shifts, I went to the Starbucks that smelled like a toilet and drank one cup of coffee. On my evening off, I bought individual Coronas from the bodega and drank them on my mattress. I was so tired I couldn't finish them. Half-empty bottles of warm beer lined my windowsills, looking like urine and filtering sunlight. I put slices of bread from the restaurant into my purse and made myself toast in the mornings. If I had a double, I took naps in the park between the shifts. I slept hard, dreaming that I was sinking into the ground, and I felt safe. When I woke, I slapped myself to get the grass marks off my cheeks. Sweet Bitter shows us that we can write our own lives. Be creative with it. The truth adds depth to our stories. Take what might have been a decade of real-life experiences and distill them down to a year in your character's life. We can do the same with characters. Take the qualities of 10 people you know and remix them to create your main character, their love interest, their enemy. Sweet Bitter's Jake is essentially a remix of every wrong man I've ever dated, and yet he rings so true. So write your own life. Incorporate the details of the mundane every day and make it real. And while you're at it, break all the rules. That's point number three. One of my favorite ways that Stephanie Downer does this is when she breaks the fourth wall and speaks right to the reader. She also casually changes from first to second person narrative to do this. Tess talks to the reader as she tells the story of her relationship with Jake and the mysterious Simone. In the very first line of the novel, she says... You will develop a palette. A palette is a spot on your tongue where you remember, where you assign words to the textures of taste. Eating becomes a discipline, language obsessed. You will never simply eat food again. So there you go. Break the fourth wall. Switch casually back and forth between perspectives. Write about clogged sinks. Write about nothing. Write about love. Write about a woman who doesn't have it all figured out and do it all with control and intention. Okay, so then what can Sweet Bitter teach us about life? Well, I've narrowed it down to three things. One, find beauty in the mundane. Don't ever stop noticing. Look at the world around you like a photographer looking through a lens. Keep a notebook, or at least the notes app in your phone. Let your day-to-day fill you with inspiration, no matter how simple it may seem. Two, write your life. Do you see where I'm going with this? Tell your own story if it's safe for you. Don't ever underestimate the power of your own narrative. Three, break all the rules. Okay, maybe not all of them, but break the ones that come in the form of advice, especially if you see the word should. Run away from your problems all the way to New York if you get the chance. Find poetry in your waitressing job. Skip the fancy MFA program and write your novel on little pieces of scrap paper that you find in the bottom of your purse. At the very least, when you find yourself presented with a rule about writing or life, question it. And finally, Sweet Bitter teaches us to make mistakes, really messy ones. They'll be the fabric of our own works in progress one day. As a testament to this, I recently used an excerpt from the pages of my 2017 journal that I wrote in response to Sweet Bitter in a creative nonfiction piece I'm working on. I wrote, Reading those words, I felt sad for Tess. I knew how it felt to be 22 and allowing someone to hurt you so deeply. And I wanted to tell her not to let it happen on one hand, 
but on the other, I thought, surely there must be some reason why this happens to all of us. Is it so we carry this tiny hurt person around in us, and so somehow she helps us do better? I felt sad then too, thinking about this small hurt person inside me. Could I love better without her? Be less complicated, less cynical, more wholesome? But I've realized, we're all carrying tiny hurt people around inside of us. We let them nurture one another. As promised, at the end of every episode of Words After All, I will answer a question from a listener or a follower. Today's question asks, If I read a lot, does this mean I can never be a great writer? The short answer to this question is of course not, and it actually makes me sad that we receive this message as writers. It's something I've heard and internalized in the past as well. Someone once told me that successful authors spend more time creating than consuming. I've also heard that writers should avoid being influenced by the work of others, or their work will never be original. Forgive me for not remembering the source of either of those terrible pieces of advice. If you're starting to get to know me, you won't be surprised when I say that I believe rules, advice, and all the shoulds are made to be rebelled against anyway. In my own experience, when I did try to give up reading for the sake of my writing craft, I felt absolutely dried up and unable to be creative. Books and stories feed my soul and my creative spark. I believe that as humans, we learn from stories. As children, we listen to stories being read to us before we write our own. And when we're avid readers, we internalize elements of storytelling. So if reading fuels our writing, to stop reading would be to empty the tank. I do understand the idea that too many external influences could prevent our work from being original. But what is originality anyways? Popular writing books such as Save the Cat Writes a Novel tell us there are only a handful of stories in the world and that these stories are made original by our own unique narrative perspective. Creative Austin Cleon tells us to steal like an artist because everything is a remix anyway. And a few months ago, I was in a creative nonfiction writing course that assigned a mentor text reading every week and encouraged students to copy and paste passages of the text into their own Word document before they got started so they weren't staring down a blank page. I used this strategy to get started on a thousand-word memoir that I was feeling stuck with. My mentor text became a type of template to get started in terms of structure and form. By the end of the writing, critique, and revision process, my piece was absolutely original, but the experience of reading and being mentored by a similar text allowed me to have a jumping-off point that wasn't overwhelming. So writers, read all the books you can get your hungry little hands on, tune out the advice, and tell your story. If you've read Sweet Bitter, or you have anything to add to the conversation about reading for writing, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Use hashtag words after all if you mention or share the podcast online, and I'll stop by and say hello. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Novel and Kind, or stop by my website at novelandkind.com to hear more from me. And if you've liked this episode or the podcast so far, leave me a review as that will help more writers and readers find the show. Don't hesitate to get in touch if you'd like to suggest a book for me to read or discuss on the podcast, or if you'd like to ask me a question for a future episode. Until next time.